Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, June 3rd, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. Hopefully, by listening to these thought leaders, you'll find inspiration and new ideas and have some fun along the way, which I promise you will do today. My guest is in the middle of a whirlwind media tour after publishing his first book, highly acclaimed, incredible read about a period of time in his life, which was just just fascinating. Please welcome Michael Tonello, author of Bringing Home the Birkin. Hi, Michael. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for joining me. So you're in the middle of this big whirlwind tour, and I, I mean it when I say whirlwind. Can you tell us a little bit? Well, it has been a whirlwind. Um, you know, I've been... To, well, I'm in Florida now. I, I've done uh, a couple of events in Miami. I've done, I've done Toronto, New York, Boston, uh, lots of places in between, getting ready to head off to Dallas, L.A., um, and all of this is on the heels of some amazing, amazing press that we've had in, you know, we had a we had two full pages in the Boston Globe, a full page in the Boston Herald, Two and a half pages in the Miami Herald, including being on the front page of the newspaper. We were on uh, page six of the New York Post. We were in uh, a full page in USA Today, half a page in the Wall Street Journal, um, full page in the New York Times Sunday Book Review, um, the International Herald Tribune, a quarter of a page. Um, and those are just some of the nationals. I mean, there's been a lot of other stuff that it's just been incredible. It's just incredible. Now, when when you were sat down or when you started writing the book, did you have any idea it would be as well received as it's been? I mean, I knew that I had an interesting story to tell. As far as um, whenever I told my story to someone sitting on a bar stool, you know, over the course <laughs> of the past few years, I mean, their jaw would always drop, and everybody would always say, "Oh my God, you." should write a book, or, oh, my God, that sounds like a mini-series, and uh, everyone always thought it sounded stranger than fiction, you know? Um, so I, feel, I, I felt fairly confident that I had a good story to tell, and then, of course, that combined with the brand Hermes and the infamous, iconic Birkin bag, I mean, I, I was fairly convinced that, you know, we had some sort of market potential, but you never know how these things are going to go. You know? Um, no, you never know. Well, can you just tell us a little bit? I, I want to talk to you also about the brand of the Birkin, but before we do that, I think it would make sense just to tell a little bit about the story. And I mean, it's so fascinating. I saw you, I, I saw you do a reading, of course, you know, because then we went to dinner at Books and Books, and uh, you had everybody on the edge of their seat for the entire hour. It was really, yeah, it's, it's really an amazing, amazing story. Can you, you know? just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, people um, really become fascinated, I think, um, by, you know, it depends on the individual. Different people come away with different 
things. Um, you know, some people are drawn to the story because of the fact that I just up and moved from Boston to Barcelona, and then other people are drawn to the story because I went from never having sold anything on eBay to within the first three months selling like $25,000 a month, and then a couple years later I was up to like, you know, over a million dollars, actually closer to $2 million. And then, of course, there are a lot of people that are drawn to the whole celebrity angle of the of the Birkin bag itself. Um, I like to say to people when they ask me about the book, um, you know, it's a little bit like the Devil Wears Prada combined with Catch Me If You Can combined with um, A Year in Provence because it has so many different components are drawn to it for different, you know, components, which mm-hmm. really makes it, which makes it really interesting because it, 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 you can really hand sell this to just pretty much anybody who walks into a bookstore. And you have such a great way of of writing. I mean, you have such a warm writing style. I wanted to talk about one part of the book that I think is hysterical, which is when you, it's on page 57, where the woman, the saleswoman at Hermé tells you that the uh, waiting list is closed. <laughs> and you say, wait, I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait, to, you know, on a waiting list. What, well, she can you tell a little really, bit about really that? Pleasant. And then also that could lead us into maybe about the, the mystique of this, this ridiculous waiting list. Well, you know, what happened was I had um, a, uh, a client um, buy something from me on eBay, and then she sent me an email saying, do you have any access to the Birkin bags? She had bought an Hermes scarf for me, so she thought that maybe since I had Hermes scarves, I could get the Birkin bag. So, you know, I didn't have any Birkin bags, but I immediately thought, okay, I'll try and get one, because I thought, you know, maybe if I can get one and sell it, I can make some money on it. So I started contacting Hermes stores, and they all said to me, oh, no, 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 there's a waiting list, or, or we don't have any bags, or, you know, there's a waiting list, you get on the waiting list. Um, and I was suddenly in um, Marseille, in the south of France, and I asked in the store for a Birkin, and this woman who was working in the store overheard me asking a salesperson for the bag, and she just came storming over as if I had asked for plutonium or, <laughs> you know, for weapons of mass destruction. And she became, you know, she was not very pleasant, and I was caught off guard because it's like I said, I, I really, I wasn't asking for a Big Mac at Burger King, you know? I, I mean, I was asking for Birkin at Hermes, and it was really strange. Um, so, I, at that point, you know, I had been trying to get one of these bags for a few weeks, and I just decided, okay, well, there's something not right here, and I'm not going to ask for these anymore because the woman really wanted to sort of duke it out with me. And I just thought, oh, I just can't, be, I just can't do this anymore. So I, I, abandoned, I abandoned the cause. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get it back from my client. But deep down inside, I really wanted to sort of fulfill her wish because my Birkin, well, I should say my eBay business so far had, you know, I don't, I don't even in the business a few months on eBay, but my business so far was really built on satisfying people's wishes, more or less. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when somebody bought something from me on eBay, I would always send an email back to them, you know, thanking them, but also saying, if there's anything you are looking for, please let me know what it is. 
And on mm-hmm. my auctions on eBay, I also had that tagline that said, I keep wish lists for people. If there's something you're looking for, let me know. And that's basically how I built my business. Mm-hmm. So it was really odd when, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden there was such anger at the store when I asked for the bag. So tell, tell us how you, um, I heard you say this is so interesting, how you ended up getting the first, scoring the first Birkin. Well, okay. So I asked for that bag, you know, and after a few weeks, you know, I just became a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little bit upset that I wasn't going to get one, but I kind of forgot about it. Well, then we fast forward a few months later, and I was in Madrid, and I walked into Hermes, and, you know, I had all those little wish lists from my clients, and I asked for all these little items, you know, playing cards and scarves and shawls and different things that I'm looking for. And the, she piled up like eight or ten items. And as we were walking over to the register for me to pay for them, just almost as an afterthought, I almost thought, why am I even bothering? But I asked if they happened to have a Birkin bag. And the woman was very, very pleasant this time and said, you know, let me look in the back. And I was really in a state of shock. Because up until then, everyone had always said, you know, there's a waiting list of two years, or the waiting list is closed, or we don't have any. Or, you know, like that other woman who got really angry. But this woman said, let me look in the back. And I was ecstatic. I really thought, oh, my God, she must be making a mistake or something. But, you know, 30 seconds later, she came walking out of the back room with this enormous orange box that was the size of, like, a portable television. I could barely see, you know, I could barely see her body behind the box. But she puts the box down on a counter, and she opens a drawer and puts on white cotton gloves and proceeds to take the bag out of the box and all of its wrappings. And my palm, the palms of my hands were clammy. I mean, I I had broken (laughs) butterflies in my stomach. I wasn't paying attention to a word she said. I just wanted to get back to the register and pay for the bag and everything else and get out of there before they changed their mind. And I did. I left the store and I had my first Birkin. And I couldn't figure out what I had done. Like, why did they sell me the bag? And And then it occurred to you? Well, I'll tell you, you know, what happened was a few days later after I had sold the bag, the the woman that I sold it to, um, it was a celebrity, and she asked me if I could deliver it to her at the Coco Chanel suite at the Ritz in Paris, which was obviously wildly exciting, the idea of going to the Coco Chanel suite at the Ritz in Paris. So I immediately bought an airline ticket, and I flew up to Paris with the Birkin and delivered it to her. And... Then a half hour later, I was downstairs in the Hemingway Bar at the Ritz having a glass of champagne to just sort of celebrate my first Birkin sale and meeting this celebrity and all. And I called my mom in Florida to tell her about my success. And as I was telling her my story, she said, but I don't understand. How did you manage to get the bag? Until now, every time you told me the story, you always said that they kept telling you there was a waiting list of two or three years, and suddenly you just got the bag. I said, I don't really know. I just went into Hermes. I asked for all this stuff. They piled it all up. I said, fine, I'll take it. And then I asked for the bag. And right as I said that, it dawned on me. That was the first time that I had actually gone into the store 
and committed to buying a whole bunch of things and then asked for the bag. Previously, I had just been calling the store or going in the store and asking for the Birkin first thing. And they said, no, it was a waiting list. But as soon as I was spending a whole gob of money in the store, then the bag became available. So I kind of thought that maybe this was a bit of a formula, or at least I had this hypothesis that that could be the formula. So the Mm -hmm. following morning, I was there in Paris. The following morning, I got up nice and early, got all dressed up, and went over to Hermes to test my formula. Of course, I was really nervous going into the store because I thought I was going to get shot down again. But I went in, and I asked for the exact same items that I bought in Madrid because I didn't know if even that was part of the formula. Like, it had to be those specific items. So I asked for the same scarves, the same shawls, the same bracelets, whatever it was. And then as we were walking to the register, you know, I didn't want to screw up any, you know, part of the formula. As we're walking to the register, I just casually asked as an afterthought, do you happen to have a Birkin? And the salesperson said, let me look in the back. And with those words, I knew right then and there that I had what I call the formula. It, it was, was as the moment. As, yeah. You just have to buy some, you have to buy a bunch of stuff first and then ask for the bag. So but now I you didn't know which bag was going to come out, right? So you asked if you have, do you have a Birkin and whatever came out, you would just go ahead and buy. So it wasn't like you, you never said like, do you have the blue jean Birkin or the orange Birkin or the Togo no, leather Birkin? I just took whatever Birkin. they had. I took whatever they had um, in, you know, once in a while, maybe, um, you know, one in three or one in five times, they would come back from the back room and say to me, we have three Birkins. We have a brown, we have a black, and we have a whatever. And then mm-hmm. I would choose one, you know, based on whatever. But, you know, normally they would just bring one from the back room. Um, and, of course, I would buy whatever because there was such demand for these and there were so many people around the world that wanted them that it didn't matter what um, color or what leather the bag was because I could sell it in 24 hours and always did. Because of the mystique of the Birkin, and, and that's sort of what I want to ask you, you know, it, it, I mean, brands, you know, the way we choose to brand ourselves, it, it, it says so many thing, things about us and on so many different levels. What is it about the brand of the Birkin, to, you know, to a certain group of people that makes it just so compelling to them? It's the inaccessibility, no doubt. You know, um, people that are either celebrities or that are very, very wealthy, I used to be able to get whatever they want, whenever they want it, because with money you can do that, except in the case of this particular handbag or this particular item. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Um, as I basically proved in the, the five-year period that my book covers, I was selling to the world's wealthiest people, and I was selling to celebrities, because these people couldn't get the bags themselves, even with all of their money. The mystique is really built on the inaccessibility because Hermes, since the bag, um, the Birkin's been around since 1984. But, mm-hmm. you know, we all know business is built on supply and demand. There's always been this enormous demand for the bag, but as far as people know, there's no supply, there's no availability. And because of that, the bag itself has become this very, very powerful tool. 
you know, if a woman's carrying one of these bags and she steps into a restaurant or into a, a board meeting or into an office building, other people see that bag on her arm and they wonder, who is she? You know, is she a celebrity or how rich is she or who could her husband possibly be that she was able to get a Birkin? Because yeah. the general public thinks that you just can't get one. Well, you have to go on this waiting list. And, you know, and they don't, they don't just put anyone on the waiting list either. You know, most people can't even get on the waiting list. Not that I know. I don't even know if there is a waiting list. That's the whole thing. Because most of my clients went on the waiting list at one point or another, but never got a phone call from Hermes years later. So that's why they turned to me, because I had the bags. So are they the ultimate branders then, Hermes? Most definitely. I mean, they have really, this should be something that is taught, you know, at Harvard Business School, because it is genius. This has been going on since 1984. It is the, you know, I mean, most brands, whether it be Fendi or Louis Vuitton or Chanel, most of these brands really hope and pray to have an it bag or a celebrity bag, you know, for one season. You know, um, Fendi had that baguette bag one season that everyone wanted and couldn't get. And then Balenciaga had the motorcycle bag, and everyone wanted it, and it was really difficult to get. Well, Hermes has been in this position since 1984, day in and day out, 24-7. Everyone wants the Birkin, and they can't get it. And it's now to the point that you have, like, Jay-Z and Beyonce rapping about this bag. It's just considered this iconic status symbol that everyone wants to carry and can't, but can't get a hold of. It's like a man that pulls up to a restaurant in a brand-new Aston Martin or a brand-new Lamborghini. You know this man, you know, is wealthy and or powerful. And this is sort of that. Um, this is sort of that to a woman, you know, because any woman can get a pair of diamond earrings, more or less. Let's face it. No, you, yeah. If you have enough money, you can go in. And, you can go in and buy them. But if you have enough money, you can't just walk in and buy a Birkin. We're talking to Michael Tanello, author of Bringing Home the Birkin. We'll be back right after this. Sit tight and don't move. The hook. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with ReferBack.com. They've shown me how to... ReferBack.com showed me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. ReferBack gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit ReferBack.com. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more? Huh? I see you're working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM, and they will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. Are your domains working hard enough for you? 
Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Welcome to Webcology. Our guest was recently the head evangelist for Ask.com, Gary Price. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him to talk about Ask.com, although I certainly hope he can say a little bit. The last time I had the pleasure of seeing you was in Santa Clara at SNX West. Oh, that's right, back um, in the Ask.com days. What yeah, a nice segue. A- that's brilliant segue. <laughs> I worked on that the entire break. <laughs> Live broadcast Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Find the WebmasterRadio.fm Web 2.0 watering hole. And have a drink on us. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Find us now on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back to The Hook. Today we're talking to Michael Tonello, author of Bringing Home the Birkin. You talk about in your in your book about how, and I should say that the, the Birkin is the catalyst for everything to happen, but this book is about so much more, so much about your life and how you see things. It's not strictly about the Birkin bag. It just sort of all unfolds around the Birkin. But what I found so fascinating is that all these clients of yours, you know, that you hadn't even met in many cases, were willing to do so many things to get to the top of your list. So yep. when you had these Birkins, you know, they'd be the first people that you call. Yeah, it's interesting how you say that the Birkin was the catalyst. That's so, so the case. Um, because I had something that they couldn't get, that they wanted, they, when I say they, I mean, you know, my clients and some of these very, very wealthy people, began doing things for me so that I would put them, like, in the number one position on my speed dial or on my Rolodex because they all wanted me to sell them the next Birkin that I got and not sell it to their neighbor or their friend. So they started, you know, obviously giving me gifts, but they also started loaning me their, you know, quarter-of-a-million-dollar sports cars you know, for weeks on end. And they would loan me their penthouse apartments in New York when they weren't there. So I had a, 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 you know, a home away from home. I had a beautiful penthouse apartment in New York that I could use for, you know, a day or a week. And, and they loaned me their homes. And it was, I began to live the life of the people that I was selling to, even though I, you know, I started out on eBay in the year 2000, selling off some of my own possessions in order to raise a buck. And then before you know it, a couple of years later, I'm traveling around the world living like these celebrities and these millionaires. It was so did you get sucked in? I mean, did you start yeah, thinking to totally, yourself, totally. I really am like this? Or did you kind well, of, of get turned off by at the first, whole thing? Well, I mean, at first I did start to think that I was sort of part of that whole world because, you know what, they were in welcoming me into it, and I was living like that. And I was also pretty much on the road almost every day. You know, on an average, let's say an average Monday morning, I would wake up at my home in Barcelona, and I would decide, okay, I'm going to go on the road to buy bags. 
and I would fly to maybe Zurich, Gwinda Hermes, buy a Birkin, and all the other stuff. And then I would hop on a train or rent a car and drive to the next city where there was an Hermes store, which might be like Stad or Geneva, and do the same thing all over again. And then spend that evening in, you know, a luxurious, beautiful hotel and wake up in the morning and go on to the next city. And I would do that for a week, and I would return home with 10 Birkins. But, wow. you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're shopping and spending, you know, anywhere between fifty dollars and $75,000 in the course of a day, I mean, you start to think that you're part of that sort of world after a while. Um, and, you know, and, uh, in the course of the day, I'm on the phone with celebrities and or you know, CEOs, Fortune 20, and top 50 companies, and, you know, buying and selling, you know, these goods. So, you you know, I, you do start to feel like you're part of it. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of events happened that I started to rethink all this and realize that, you know, I'm, you know, really not part of that world. Because it wasn't like I, I was making billions of dollars a year. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that, and so, but how did you start to view your clients? You know, there they are, so obsessed over this bag. I mean, did that that distress you, or you just thought, you know what, I've been able to build an enormous company, nobody's harming anyone, we're good to go? Yeah, I, I really felt that. I felt that I was just, you know, sort of a little uh, like a. I, I used to refer to myself as like a leather liaison or a Robin Hood <laughs> to the rich, because. <laughs> No, you know, I mean, I mean, my attitude is, one way or another, they were determined to figure out a way to get one of these bags. And if they didn't buy it from me, they were going to try to find somebody else who they could buy one of these bags from. So, you know, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, an auction house. I mean, people go to Sotheby's and Christie's for the couture auction once a year because they know there's going to be Birkin bags in that auction. And they know if they bid enough money, they can leave with a Birkin today. Mm-hmm. See, this is not the case at Hermes. It doesn't matter how much you, you know, you go into Hermes, you can't stand there and bid on a Birkin. And yeah. most, people don't, most people don't know, well, now they do because of my book, but most people didn't know that it was as simple as going into Hermes and buying some things. The problem has always been that well, the people that wanted these bags they would go to Gucci and buy a new pair of shoes, and they would go over to Chanel and buy a new uh, skirt or new blouse. And then they would go over to Hermes because they wanted a Birkin to go with it all. Now, if they had just bought the skirt, blouse, and shoes at Hermes to begin with, then they would have been able to get the Birkin. Because Hermes wants to sell all the other stuff that they make. But so have, has, have, they, has there been any reaction from Hermes to, to your book? Well, you know, a month ago, their reaction was no comment, no comment, no comment. And then uh, about a week ago, or two weeks ago, the uh, Miami Herald article was just so, so extensive. It's so many photos, and on the front page of the newspaper, that they changed their comment, and their comment, um, I don't have it directly in front of me, but it's basically to the effect... Um, we have realized that over the years, our clients found the wait list to be off-putting. So now we encourage our clients to establish a relationship with a salesperson 
who will try and locate a bag for them. Now, what you change everything, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You change the way the company has to react to its clients. I think that is amazing. It's pretty incredible that my little book and little old me has changed this multi-billion-dollar corporation that's been around since 1830-something. Well, but, I wanted to ask you something else because we're running out of time. But you know yeah. the the. The fact even before all this happened with the Birkin that you were doing one thing and then you all of a sudden said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to move to Barcelona and I'm just going to be here is a huge, extremely bold step. Is there a philosophy that people who are listening who may want to, you know, change their path or do things differently that you use that sort of helps guide you through your life? Well, I definitely believe in always looking at the glass as being half full rather than half empty because I think nowadays a lot of people really get caught up in negativity. There's so much negativity in the press and on TV, and then people, you know, get caught up in that and they talk about it and it just breeds more and more negativity. So I sort of tend to ignore all of that. And I think that if if, if you have a, a, a dream or a vision, you should really, you know, play it out and go for it. Um, you know... People are always looking for the next best thing. And, I mean, if you do have a dream and you can really just sort of figure out a way to get from point A to point B, um, I think that it'll work out for you. I I believe this. You know, every time I had an obstacle that was presented to me, you know, in in the course of my move from Boston to Barcelona and in the course of me building this business, every time I had an obstacle, I just figured a way to work it out and then move on rather than having it be some insurmountable, you know, huge drama. And it was as simple as that. And I think that that's what a lot of very successful business people do. I have found that my clients that were really successful were always very, very, very kind and they were not overly dramatic about problems. They just, it was like, okay, what do we need to do to work it out and then move on? Well, thank you. That is terrific advice, and thank you because now I'm going to call my Hermes store and figure out a way to afford a Birkin. (laughs) Well, let me know what happens. I would be very curious. (laughs) Michael, thank you so much. It was a genuine pleasure to talk to you. Katie, you too. Take care of yourself. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. The Hook is going on a brief break, and we will be back in three weeks with another edition of The Hook. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon.